0: Hello, everyone, and happy January 6th, or as some like to call it, Insurrection Day. In honor of this special holiday, Evan and I have decided to release the very first episode of the podcast, which we call Episode Zero. It was recorded back in June of 2021, and it served as a practice run to prepare us for our real debut show, Anacyclosis The Cycle of Governments. We didn't intend to release this episode for fear of being canceled, but hey, let's face it, we're not important enough to be canceled yet so without further interruption i present to you from deep within the vault episode zero the capital riot in a world ruled by emotion where reason is abandoned god is forsaken and history forgotten Two brave men will attempt to do the unthinkable. Use their brains. Armed with ancient wisdom, they will bring light into our modern world. This is the Sons of Antiquity Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sons of Antiquity Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. I'm joined in the studio by my co-host, Evan. Hello, everybody. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the most controversial stories of the century, yes. millennium, the Capitol riot, January 6th, Capitol riot, the insurrection. The day that will live in infamy. What does that mean? What are we going to be talking about today? First, we're going to start off with what happened on January 6th or we'll go over the order of events. Then we'll talk about why it's so controversial. Uh, we'll go right into the right wing's take versus the left wing's take. And then we'll talk about how this really, in our opinion, was not an insurrection. And if it was, then what do you call Chaz and other acts of political violence during 2020? We'll talk about actual insurrections of history. Spoiler alert, they were a lot worse, way worse. We'll go through the ominous parallels between our political landscape and that of pre-imperial Rome. Talk about the Cracus brothers, Sulla, and normalization of political violence uh, in that era, and the rise of dueling political parties, and we will wrap it up with where do we go from here? Evan, let's uh, let's get this started with what happened on January 6. Let's go through order of events.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so on January 6, around 6 a.m., protesters started showing up at the Ellipse, which was the park near the White House, to prepare for the rally later on. At 11 a.m., Trump starts his save. America Rally,
0: where he is joined by Eric Trump, uh, Don Jr., Rudy Giuliani. He speaks for about an hour, arguing that the election was rigged and that he is the actual winner. He cites many voting discrepancies and oddities in swing states as evidence. Here are some of the zingers from the speech, if you'll allow me to uh, quote the man himself, starting with, All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved.
1: But it used to be that they'd argue with me. I'd fight. So I'd fight. They'd fight. I'd fight. They'd fight. Boop boop. (laughs)
0: That's one of my favorite quotes on there, really, honestly. (laughs) The boop
1: boop makes it really good. (laughs) Uh, He went on to say
0: that, uh, quote, Georgia's absentee ballot rejection rate was more than 10 times lower than previous levels because the criteria was so off. 48 counties in Georgia with thousands and thousands of votes rejected zero ballots. There wasn't one ballot. In other words, in a year in which more mail-in ballots were sent than ever before and more people were voting by mail for the first time, the rejection rate was drastically lower than it had ever been before. The only way this can be explained is if tens of thousands of illegitimate votes were
1: added to the tally. Water main burst, everybody leave, which we now know was a total lie. Then election officials pulled boxes, Democrats, and suitcases of ballots out from under a table. You all saw it on television, totally fraudulent, and illegally scanned them for nearly two hours, totally unsupervised. Tens of thousands of votes, and that coincided with a mysterious vote dump of up to 100,000 votes for Joe Biden, almost none for Trump. Oh, that sounds fair. (laughs) Uh, At 6.31 a.m., this
0: is Trump speaking again. In the early morning hours after voting had ended, Michigan suddenly reported 147,000 votes. An astounding 94 percent went to Joe Biden, who campaigned brilliantly from his basement. (laughs) That's another singer right there. That one's tied with Boop Boop. He went on to say only a couple of percentage points went to Trump. Such gigantic and one sided vote dumps were only observed in a few swing states and they were observed in the states where it was necessary.
1: And then this is quoting Senator William Ligon, chairman of Georgia Senate Judiciary Committee. The Dominion voting machines employed in Fulton County had an astronomical and astounding 93.67% error rate. It's only wrong 93% of the time. And we fight. Now, see, here, here's the thing. Before we
0: go to this last quote, th- this is what got him. This is what really nailed him. And this is what his political opponents cited when – they, of course, impeached him for the second time. It's this language right here. Now, generally speaking, that's not language that is outside the realm of normal political language, wouldn't you say? I mean, people say fight. Yeah, but in this situation, I can see why they'd say that. I mean, even when you think about fight for 15, that's something that people brought up. You know, Bernie Sanders was saying fight for 15.
1: Well, they better take those the streets then.
0: I guess so. So the last quote is this, and we fight, we fight like hell and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore.
1: At the end of the speech, around 12.15 p.m., Trump asked the crowd to walk to the Capitol to continue the rally. So that happens. And then at 1 p.m.,
0: lawmakers gather for a joint session of Congress to count electoral votes.
1: Now, can we, can we kind of discuss what they were doing there? Because yeah, lots, yeah. lots of people think that this is like a formal process that without it, the Biden wouldn't have become president. Yeah. But in fact, it was really just like a token ceremony that had no real impact on the legitimacy of the election. Hmm. So you say – are you saying that? It was just like for a show. It's just like something they've done forever and it has no legal thing. It's just ceremonial. So he would have
0: been president anyway regardless of this happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what all all the news outlets point out too. Like it was kind of pointless. Even if they would have stopped them from voting, it wouldn't have stopped Biden from becoming president on hmm. Inauguration Day. Well, I guess that's fair. I mean, that's... A lot of the rioters probably thought otherwise, though.
0: Yeah. Do you think that that's what kind of spurred them on? Like, If they had known that it really wasn't that much of an issue, if they had known that, hey, this yeah. doesn't really matter, they wouldn't have fought so hard?
1: Of course, yeah. They they thought that they were stopping Biden from becoming president by fighting, as Trump said.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting point there. Uh, where were we? That was at 1 o'clock, they gather. Okay. Yeah. Then um, the rioters, <laughs> yeah, to say the least, the rioters started grappling with uh, Capitol Police just after one o'clock.
1: Yeah. And 1.30 police ordered the evacuation of the surrounding buildings. Now, when was the evacuation of the Capitol building? Do you know uh, that?
0: The evacuation of the Capitol. That, I think that happened later because I,
1: I think they were kind of surrounded. And so they couldn't quite evacuate yet. That seems implausible for some. I don't know. That's fishy. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I, I'm not
1: saying. I it's thought not, they were just on like the front side of the building. Isn't there a back entrance? There is. And I think there was there was actually two
0: sides. I saw like a diagram. They broke it down. I can't remember which news outlet reported it. It might have been NBC. Don't quote me on that. But they showed the main group out front where you saw a lot of the pictures. There was, a, I think, a group around back. So they might have felt like mm, we're kind of boxed in here. Now, in my opinion, shouldn't the Capitol have more like secret entrances that we don't know about? Maybe.
1: And better security. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't
0: know. (laughs) So then just after 2 p.m., rioters breach police lines and rumors of a bomb threat circulate. The rioters start scaling the walls. That's when you see these pictures being taken of them climbing up like monkeys.
1: Around 2:30, the rioters cross Statuary, uh, statuary Hall. Oh, Hall! Yeah. Statuary Hall. And Trump tweets, "Stay peaceful." <laughs> then, around
0: three o'clock, uh, Ashley Babbitt is shot, which uh, became a huge, huge story. Uh, while trying to climb through a window to reach the inner chambers, So she was a rioter, right? I mean, yeah. At this point, they're inside. She broke there. into a federal building. Yeah. I mean, she was tr- breaking the glass. I mean, that's that's a big no-no.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd say the rioters that continued to break windows and crowd the chambers of the Capitol, including the offices of some representatives. And some of them had fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Like in Nancy Pelosi's office. What did um, they
1: do? What are some examples?
0: Well, there was that guy, that older guy who, um, he sat up, you know, sat in front of her desk, put his feet up on her desk, took a picture. He might have had his thumbs up or something. Um, there was a couple people who took uh, like plaques, on like nameplates on people's desks, things like that. Uh, then just around three o'clock, rioters enter the
1: Senate chambers. They made their way in. Yeah. And just after four, Trump continues his tweeting, not unusual, uh, with the now infamous, you're very special speech where he urges protesters to stop rioting and be peaceful and go home. Now, what what was he saying about them being very special? He exactly. said,
0: we love you. You're very special. And he said, basically, you know, I love you guys. You're my supporters, but you need to go home. You know, this has gotten out of hand is what he was saying. He could have been a little more forthright, like not yeah, as nice. You're probably right. and And honestly, he probably could have come out a little earlier and said that. You know, everything he said in that video could have been said – at the end of his speech or even just 30 minutes after or once things really started to heat up, because this was not, you know, when he tweeted that out, things were already well into the escalation point, you know. So he could have could have made that a little sooner. Uh, right after that video, Twitter immediately censors the president, deleting some of his tweets and outright banning him for 12 hours.
1: Now it's, it's kind of curious why they do that, since he was telling them to be peaceful at that point. It is very curious, almost as if there was
0: some sort of ulterior motive.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they would have listened to him more than anybody else. And if he was saying go home, then some of them would have listened. But yeah, how do I know? I mean, it's a fair point. Uh, anyways, their action was for not, because Congress certified the election for Biden. Yes. Even though it meant nothing, but they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Just to keep it going, keep the tradition going. So that left seven dead
0: by the end of the day. Uh, the event left seven dead and about 70 arrested. Now, as of now, none of the rioters arrested have been charged with murder. Uh, most have been charged with trespassing or other lesser crimes. And it's worth mentioning that none of them have been charged with
1: sedition. Now, of the seven dead, how many are rioters and how many were other? Ashley
0: Babbitt is one of those, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the rest, I believe, were people. Some of them were officers or Capitol Police people, but... Many of those deaths, including the death of Brian Sicknick, which was the one with the – everyone said, oh, he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. As it turned out, that didn't happen. That was completely false. And uh, so his death was actually just as a result of a, a stroke or a heart attack or something, completely unrelated to the riot. It happened like a day and a half later. And that's the case for most of these people. There were health concerns. I mean there were a lot of people here. so. If you get a lot of people together, there's going to be some health incidents no matter what. So that's, that's basically what happened. Yeah. There, there was – as far as I know, as far as anybody knows, there was no actual murder going on during
1: this whole insurrection. How would six other people die without being shot or hit over the head or something? That's that's weird. It,
0: it is a little strange. But, I mean, put yourself in in the position of, OK, I'm in this big crowd, this big riot. Maybe I'm not the healthiest guy. Adrenaline's up, heart rate up. I've already maybe got some preexisting health concerns. Maybe I'm wearing a mask and I'm not getting enough oxygen. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of I different I doubt these reasons. people are wearing masks. Well, I mean, there were some, some mask wearers. There were some non-mask wearers. But definitely <laughs> the people who were affected, the, the Capitol Police people,
1: some of whom who died, um, they were masked up. I mean, from video, well, you yeah, can see. Yeah, the policeman would be, I guess. Okay, well, I think... People will intuitively know why this is controversial, but we'll go over it. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. It's just... uh, controversial from a whole lot of angles for lots of reasons. Uh, first, it's not every day that our nation's capital is overrun by mobs of people. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, besides the Brett Kavanaugh hearings in 2018. Yes. that's A mob of people did something similar, but they weren't, in, I feel like it was a little more peaceful. And they just kind of came in it was a smaller scale that's for sure that's
0: for sure um but you i mean there were some pictures of very very angry people banging on doors banging on windows you know yeah. and they did it's clash with police a little bit there were arrests uh, i believe um the number of arrests was 164
1: people that's a lot yeah okay mobs of protesters are inherently controversial yeah, yeah i'd say so the second reason why
0: this is so controversial is because of the hypocrisy, blatant hypocrisy. Uh, like we just said, the, the Kavanaugh protesters, they did something similar, but there was no impeachment. There was no trial, uh, no demands for removal uh, of public officials and no major public outcry and really no comparisons to, oh, I don't know, 9-11 or uh, um, Pearl Harbor. And uh, nobody was calling it the worst or darkest day in our history. And yet, when Trump has anything to do with it, the media establishment and establishment politicians, they use the opportunity to gain political ground by bludgeoning Trump. They blew it out of proportion because, well, orange man bad. Mm. That's what it always comes back to. (laughs) He was impeached one week before leaving office. I mean, he was just about to be out the door. And they said, no, no, we're going to get you on this one. Uh, Another example of hypocrisy is uh, the media's treatment of the Capitol riot versus the year-long riots really across the country. Uh, that were caused by BLM, Antifa, and and urged on by even some major politicians. Uh, Those riots in places like Portland, Seattle, Milwaukee, Kenosha, Baltimore, really the list goes on, resulted in deaths, you know, millions of dollars worth of damage uh, and lost business, businesses destroyed, and even a couple of federal buildings burned to the ground, not to mention Chaz, but no, I You'll I think
1: I think the reason that the media blew this one out of proportion compared to those is the people who were uh, affected in the Capitol riots were important, and <laughs> the ones who were who were affected by the BLM riots don't really matter. In that's a fair many point. eyes. So. Yeah, uh, I would but these say people that are accurate. important, unlike the business owners. Yeah, yeah, they don't matter one way no, no, to don't. them. Nope. Now there's also the issue of censorship. As a result of the riot, Trump was censored and even banned from Twitter. If I'm not mistaken, he was also uh, banned from other,
0: from Facebook too, I think. And there's, yeah. there was actually something I saw the other day about them, you know, reconsidering what to do about him.
1: You know, even still to this day, months after it. So Trump made history in January as the first sitting president to be banned from social media. Yeah, really, first president ever. But he was sitting, so. That's kind of saying something about the power of these uh, corporations that they just censor the sitting president of the United States, even if they think that he deserved it. Still, he had a few weeks left. Yeah, yeah. He was obviously still in office. That's crazy. Um, And related to that, there was a lot of censoring of uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter accounts that were questioning the integrity of the election. Absolutely. And the social media platform Parler was deleted from the Amazon store, Google store, and Apple store, basically simultaneously. So they were they planned it ahead of time for allegedly allowing protesters to organize. Yes. However, it was later revealed that Facebook was the preferred place for these protesters to meet up. But that doesn't really matter. Uh, parlor was banned as a scapegoat because it allows everybody to be on there. Not just all right, by the way, but... <laughs> Cattle like communists also are allowed to to post on Parlor. Absolutely. Anybody and everybody, as far as I know, is, is welcome
0: on Parlor. Yeah, yeah at, at the end of the day, big tech doesn't like competition and they're aligned with the left. I mean, we we, we all know that. I know it, you know it, we all know it. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. So that brings us to our fourth bullet point here. And it's uh it's the ammo that it gave the opposition. Uh, Charlottesville protests that used to be the left's favorite example of alt-right violence. But the January 6th riot gave them something way worse to talk about, you know, relatively speaking. They've blown both incidents way out of proportion for political gain, and uh, they will continue to do so uh, because it's convenient and emotionally satisfying.
1: Yeah, because it's been Republicans all, all year in 2020 saying, look at all these protesters, all this. The left promotes violence, and yeah. and then and then this happens, and... Oh, how the turntables.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now they can finally point the finger at someone else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, fifth reason for the controversy is Trump's involvement as a sitting president. At no time in his speech or in his tweets, did uh, Trump directly advocate for physical violence? This may be a debate for us in a minute. Okay, (laughs) sure. We can Uh, talk about that. He he did not directly incite the people, but um, unlike Maxine Waters, for example, who did um demanded that the people create a crowd or get confrontational. I think that's about uh, the recent trial in Minnesota. Yes, yes. Well, there, there was one incident
0: before that, and then she basically did it again she with just, this trial. She just
1: wants people to get together and have a good time. That's what she means by create a crowd, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. have a picnic. Uh, <laughs> Trump did not encourage his supporters to use the tactics of the left. He even said, be peaceful, as we said, and talked mm-hmm. on and on about how much he values law and order and law enforcement officials.
0: Oh, yeah. That's one of his big go-tos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back the blue. That's Back what he says. Back the blue. In the aftermath of everything, there was the right's take and the left's take. Let's talk about that. You know, we'll what, start what with the, the left hot takes? Okay. We'll start with the left.
1: What, what do you think? What was their take basically summed up? Well, we already mentioned most of it, but insurrection was a big word they used. Mm-hmm. Rebellion, just a bunch of violent alt-right, you know, losers who were storming the Capitol and wanting to kill every all the liberals inside and terrorize the country. Another example of white supremacy that's rampant and the worst threat to our national security, according to some within the CIA I, um, That or global warming
0: yeah they they have a hard time deciding
1: which one is the <laughs> they're both the so threat. they're both so drastic that it's it's hard to choose
0: yeah and imminent i mean if you yeah. don't do something right mm-hmm. now then to. tomorrow the the is going to kill you or uh the earth will melt basically that's your choice right there uh give us your freedom or uh the carbon emitting nazis win that's basically what
1: it is i mean it's a matter of life and death so yeah big it quit it yeah so of course the, the left uses this
0: opportunity To the full advantage. And they I think they definitely took advantage of the tendency of people on the right to actually think about the issue and consider the issue and and say, hmm, maybe there was something bad here, you know, because on the left, you'll notice that there's never been a, um, you know, on the right, there was a never Trump crowd. There's never been something similar on the left. So the right is inherently divided in almost every issue, you know. There, there was a lot of diverse thoughts on the right. And so they preyed on that, you know, because there were some people who condemned all of this.
1: I'd say many people, yeah. maybe even half. And lots of people just didn't say anything.
0: Do you think that a lot of people went along with that, the whole 9-11 comparison?
1: I don't think many people on the right were comparing it to 9-11, but there were many on the right condemning it. Moderates to just, I'd I'd say... About half of elected Republicans condemned it in some way. The other half either said nothing, or I guess a few just supported it, but probably not many. Yeah, most said nothing, probably. Yeah,
0: I, that's the impression I get. I mean, with with so much opposition, you know, and and so many different outlets saying so many negative things about these people and and what happened. Of course, you know, the public pressure is on you. Most people are not going to make waves. And, you know, that's just that's how it goes. So, yeah, I guess on the right, you know, we've talked about the left's take. On the right, the it was pro, The
1: pro-Trump right. You, you, I've already covered the, like the, the anti-Trump right. Yeah. I've pretty much already covered. But do you want to co- cover those who were defending Trump? Yeah, sure. What, what were mean, their arguments? I, I think um,
0: people definitely looked at the Capitol riot and said, it's not as bad as you thought. He did everything right. He didn't say anything violent. He didn't say, oh, go out there and, and destroy stuff. Um, I think people tried to focus on the part of Trump's speech and his his parts of his words that were strictly nonviolent and focus clearly on those and say, look at this. This is evidence that he wasn't trying to get us to riot. President of peace. President of peace. Exactly. That's that's basically (laughs) what they said, you know. (laughs) that, oh, just because he said, you know, maybe one or two things, those are taken out of context. The left is taking it out of context. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know...
1: But were there people saying like, oh, they should have gone further? They should have actually, like, stopped this uh, counting of the votes or whatever it was? Well... Not many published people, I guess.
0: Exactly. On some corners of the internet, there were people who said this didn't go far enough. You know, and... I won't stop until Pelosi's at the stake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, basically. yeah, there were the I mean there were those people. You, you you can't you know, you can't ignore it. I mean, those there were those types of people who were the boogaloo type guys who said, you know, this this is inevitable. You know, this is going to happen and you know what? Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. So, yeah, that that's basically a summation of the right and the left's take. But what matters more than that is my take and Evan's take. Yeah. So, let's talk about Our that. Our
1: opinions are most important. <laughs>
0: What's you your might... take? What's your honest hot take on this?
1: You know, this isn't our official hot take, by the way. But yeah, we'll this get is to a that. Bonus hot take oh, is what this lucky. is. Lucky, bonus hot take. Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, let's see. My take is that it was not justified, and I think that Trump is partially responsible for what happened on that day, but it was not, and it was not incitement as much as what I would say is inspiration. Oh. Because think think about it this way: if if he's alleging, which he did, he alleged that the election was fraudulent and that he, the real votes would have had him win. So when you say something like that, you you shouldn't be surprised when people ag- agree with you and then they start causing violence because that is that's like a banana republic shenanigans if it's true, and that's something that you that you should fight for if it is true. That if you're if there's really so much corruption that the election can't even be trusted, then that's something you should fight for. And he did say that we should fight for it. And how do you fight for it when all the legal avenues are taken away, mm. when the votes have already been counted and, you know, have, like Biden is officially going to be the president of the United States. The only way to fight against it is through extra legal mm. ways. Extra legal means. Yeah. yeah. So I think that he inspired the riots. So, okay. So just to, to sum up, you're you're saying
0: that he sort of implicitly encourage this by saying, hey, let's fight hard for it, even though yeah. there was no legal avenues for these people.
1: Yeah. And in the fact that he led them to the Capitol, he said, go to the Capitol and riot, go go protest some more. On the day that they're doing this certification, even though it means nothing, they thought it, that they could stop him from being president just by storming there and stopping vote counting. So he he did everything short of incitement, I think. I don't think he should be arrested or anything for what he did. Should he I have been bit? impeached?
0: Uh, because he was impeached for that, I mean, that term you said, incitement. It's,
1: it's almost like, what's the point? What would be the point of impeaching him to keep him from running again? Would that keep him from running again?
0: As far as I know, that, that would not have kept him and will not.
1: So the only point of impeachment is to remove someone from office, right? It doesn't keep them from running again? Or am I wrong?
0: No, I, no, you're right. I think you know impeachment is a precursor to actual removal from office and he was already one week away from leaving office. So, yeah, to me it didn't really make much sense, you know, but they wanted to make a statement because I mean, think of it from the perspective of the democratic base, the liberal base, if they had done nothing and just said, "Let bygones be bygones, we'll just let Trump walk out of here, you know, in a week's time." That would not have gone over well with their constituents. So,
1: it was kind of just a pointless endeavor, but I guess it helped them to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's your take? Oh, let's see. This is episode zero, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Unpublished for Unpublished now. for right now. My um, my take on this. I'm of two minds. On the one hand, obviously, law and order. I recognize the the value in that. The value in a in a peaceful republic where we can all uh, get along and, and discuss our differences rather than fight out our differences. However, I believe that that type of universe is uh I think it's it's if it's not long gone then it's it's really on the way out um, and I think that when you are left with no more legal means of you know getting your way politically I- even if it's a way that is within the scope of the Constitution you know the way that you want to live is legal according to you know the founding values, what do you mean founding the way documents? you want to live right-wing politics you know the the right-wing talking point so that's that's kind of what i'm talking about it there are people you know obviously trump supporters who didn't want biden in there they didn't think that he got in there legally and they wanted to challenge that and they felt that they were being stonewalled through unlawful means and i think at the very least there were people who said let's just fully investigate it and if it comes up that it was all legal then okay cool but if it wasn't then we have a problem. And I think a lot of people felt that it was not fully investigated to the, to the extent that it should have been or could have been. And there were some ways that the election went towards Biden and maybe weren't actually legal. So in my mind, when you're shut out by the media, you are shut out by the big tech. And as Trump once said, everyone is against me. <laughs> when you have that sort of situation, and you've got very powerful people against you. If that truly is how it is, then what other recourse do you have but what we had on the sixth? And it I can only get sorry. worse from here. We know history.
1: Let me just say that it was a pathetic attempt, if any, at the goals that it was trying to achieve.
0: Oh, for sure, and I would definitely agree with that. And I think we we talked about that right after it happened. You know, we'll talk about some more things later. That you know, some more insurrections, real rebellions, real insurrections that were. Uh, To put this really to shame. And so if if they were trying to overthrow the country, they did a real piss poor job of it. And um, yeah, pretty pathetic, honestly, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So this kind of brings us to the question, was this an insurrection? I think we could say no. And then what about Chaz? We'll talk about that.
0: We'll start by talking about how the Capitol riot was immediately called an insurrection. I mean, right off the bat. And every other hyperbole you can think of was thrown in there. But what is an insurrection? You know, the dictionary definition of it is a violent uprising against an authority or a government.
1: Now, what's the definition of an uprising? That would make this seem – I don't know. I yeah. guess so. It's sort of like including uh Is the uprising just like if you go and just like beat up an election official on your own? I, or, I wouldn't think so. No, that wouldn't be an insurrection.
0: I would say an uprising would be an organized large – group of like-minded people.
1: Okay. So that's how I define it. It would have to be organized to be an uprising. I think we can agree on that. Uh, The Capitol riot was chaos, no common goal, no set of demands, uh, no plan. Yeah, it really was just – they were just firing from the hip and
0: that's why I really think that's an unfair characterization of it, calling it insurrection. Um, The Capitol riot started off as a protest. It turned into a riot. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to say it was just a peaceful protest or even mostly peaceful. I mean, it wasn't. There was violence. Sure. I'll give you that. It got out of hand and uh, riots tend to do that. But compare that to CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, if you don't know what that is. Uh, It was formed on uh, June 8th of 2020 by George Floyd protesters in Seattle. Now, the CHAZ was a six-block zone occupied by the protesters who also took over the East Precinct Building of the Seattle Police Department. Uh, The occupants of CHAZ declared their independence and rebuked the authority of the SPD and other established governing bodies. Now, they set forth three demands. These people were organized, and they had a plan, and this was their plan. One, cut Seattle's $409 million police budget by 50%. The second demand was to shift funding to community programs and services in historically black communities. The third was to ensure that protesters
1: would not be charged with crimes. Is there police brutality in Seattle? I just can't imagine that the police go crazy in Seattle. I don't know. It, I don't have an answer to that one. Okay. I don't know. seems – I don't know. It might, there might be confusing which city they live in. <laughs> yeah, really. But during uh, Chaz's 3.5, three and a half weeks Not existence, month, yeah. Yeah, the five shootings occurred, multiple deaths, sexual assault, and arson were all reported. According to the Center Square, a Washington news outlet, the Seattle Police Department spent about $9.3 million on police overtime pay in June of 2020 alone, which was thrice the amount from June of previous years. There are no official estimates for the amount of damage done during these weeks, they really should do that. That would be good to know. Yeah. But it's safe to say that between the cleanup efforts, the police presence, the damage to businesses and lost business, the cost of Chaz was well into the tens of millions. Yeah. And I tried. I mean, I really tried to find numbers on that. And
0: I think it's just because nobody really wants to add all that up and, and publish it because it would be so embarrassing. And that's that's just my theory. But it surely was in the tens of millions um, when all was said and done. So where was the media you know, during all this? They called these kinds of protests mostly peaceful. Nobody accused the mayor of Seattle of inciting the violence, and nobody demanded her removal from office. Uh, As of right now, Jenny Durkin is uh, still the mayor. She even tweeted this out on June 11th. She said, The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, hashtag Chaz, is not a lawless wasteland of anarchist insurrection. It is a peaceful expression of our community's collective grief and their desire to build a better world. Given his track record, it's not hard to believe that Trump is wrong yet again. Yet again. And the very next day, in response to Trump, she said this. Seattle is fine. Don't be so afraid of democracy.
1: I mean, I think she's right. That is pretty much the epitome of democracy. Just
0: mobs. Yeah, just mobs running around, <laughs> setting fires, making a, a, did you see the picture of the garden? No, that they made. No. Uh, well, you couldn't even really call it a garden. It was just a bunch of dirt with like a couple plants in it. And they thought they were going to provide for their whole new country with that small little garden. Yeah. Pretty sad. Uh, of course, you can't see what she was referring to, Jenny Durkin, uh, on Twitter, because the link to the former president's tweet is still unavailable. And now that, that sure
1: sounds like democracy to me. History is, in in many ways, a cycle of violent revolutions almost like it's a big a big cycle of different governments that we could talk about. I mean, I don't know. Some people have talked about it sometime.
0: Some people have. Some very famous people. And, and you know, maybe
1: maybe we'll talk about that soon. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know. If you want us to talk about it, contribute to our Patreon. <laughs> there are a few peaceful ones that were thrown in, though. Let's talk about some of our favorite insurrections, shall we? First of all, we have the famous July 14, 1789 location, France. The storming of the Bastille.
0: Oh, perfect pronunciation. Yeah,
1: I know. My French is great.
0: I love it. Tell us what happened, man. <laughs>
1: well, it marked the beginning of the French Revolution. Angry citizens and soldiers, and they're fed up with their decadent monarchs, Louis Sixteenth, and his decadent wife, Marie. Oh, she was decadent. Marie Antoinette took their anger out on the Bastille, which was a rural prison which they identified as a symbol of tyranny. Bastille was defended by military governor Bernard Launay who requested 250 reinforcement troops as he feared the Bastille would be attacked. And he was right. Good thinking.
0: Yeah, really good thinking on that one, bro.
1: They were armed with swords, muskets, and other weapons, and they laid siege to the fortress. After a day of fighting, the overpowered Lanay and his men uh, took them prisoner, and they looted the munitions inside the fortress. They freed the whopping seven prisoners inside. Yeah, that's that's what kills me about this story is that they did all of this for seven people. And they planned a formal arrest and trial for Lene by a revolutionary council. Sounds like chass. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> <It's>, does. <laughs> but they they saved ever, saved everyone the time and effort, and they just went ahead and uh, they put him aside and beat him to death. <laughs> <laughs> so about 100 people died and 70 wounded. And, uh, well, that wasn't the end of the violence oh, of no. the French. Oh, no. a
0: uh a revolution happened right after that. You may have heard of it, uh, the French Revolution. And um, I, I should have written down how many people died in the French Revolution. It was tens of thousands. I don't yeah. remember
1: the exact number. It was a lot. Lots of um, fascist priests, and nuns, uh, fascist peasants.
0: Fascists. So many fascists <laughs> yeah. everywhere. There were a lot they of them. You know? So many fascists.
1: I'm glad they got they got rid of them like they did. Who knows what would have happened. Some some uh, dictator could have taken over France if they hadn't killed all those people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was a bullet there. Now, here's a fun fact for you. Uh, In 1790, Lafayette gifted the key to the Bastille made of wrought iron weighing in at about one pound, three ounces to George Washington. They were good friends. It is still on display at Mount Vernon where Washington lived. Pretty cool.
1: Another fun fact about the French Revolution is it really split up American politics because the French kind of copied the American Revolution with a lot worse results, a lot more killing. Uh, But – the likes of Thomas Jefferson were very francophilic. Yeah. They they kind of sided with the French Revolution and then Washington and the more uh, Federalist camp, they they sided more with the English way of doing things. Oh uh, yeah. So that kind of created a split and then whenever they just started killing people left and right, Jefferson made his famous remark uh, sometimes the tree of liberty has to be watered with the the blood of uh, patriots uh, and tyrants. Of, the blood of tyrants. Yeah. Uh, he says patriots, too, oh, because definitely. they had
0: to sacrifice their life for their for their freedom. I didn't realize that's why he said that in response to the French Revolution. Yeah, uh, they were starting to get it.
1: really murderous. And he started to distance himself near the end. But well, let's talk about the Civil War. Right. I mean, let's just stop beating
0: around the bush here. If you want to talk about insurrections, you want to talk about rebellions. The Civil War, American Civil War uh, is just uh, unparalleled in American history. Some would argue that leaving the Union doesn't count as an insurrection, but one could argue that the South intended to take over land, the southern states, which was part of the Union, and use it as part of their new country. The, that's war, much...
1: to, the war to prevent southern independence, you mean?
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I spoke there. Um, that's not much different. You know, then taking over a federal building and dictating new terms or taking over uh, some city blocks and dictating
1: new terms. Smaller yeah. scale, but I mean, similar. you know, they, they did take over Fort Sumter, and that's where mm-hmm. the, the war started. So. Exactly.
0: So, I mean, there's some it, big similarities. They, they
1: didn't storm the Capitol, but still, it was, it was an insurrection against government officials and against oh, yeah. federal government property.
0: One important distinction here.
1: Uh, unlike the Capitol riot, the
0: Civil War was much more deadly. 620,000 men died over the course of a four-year war.
1: By far the most deadly uh, war in American history, by the way. World War II doesn't even come close, or Vietnam. Yeah. I think all of them put together don't even equal civil war casualties. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's talk about the parallels between us and the late Roman Republic. Tell us about that. Okay. The normalization of political violence is the hallmark of a crumbling system, I would say. When, as we said, when legal means are not available are not accessible, then people have to go through other means. And that's often violence because a big stick in your hand tends to convince people when they don't have a weapon. So the same changes that are affecting our nation have been observed in another famous republic, thus the Roman one. And they don't paint a pretty picture of what's to come.
0: So following the sack of Carthage in uh, 146 BC, the Roman Republic saw an increase in political violence. The Gratchy brothers, the Bernie Sanders of their era, pushed hard. For their populist land reforms, and I'll take a quick pause, real quick, to say that Evan uh, coined that term, the, the the Bernie Sanders of their
1: era. So I have to give him credit where credits it's, due. It's a little bit, it's more nuanced because it was like the younger brother was really the Bernie Sanders, the yeah. older one was like a uh, Ted, uh, like a Robert Kennedy or something. But <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, not not quite exactly, but pretty pretty close when you really, really look at it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they pushed hard for these populist land reforms and they angered their conservative peers in the Senate. This deepened political divide between the factions in Roman government, the uh, uh, populares and the optimates. Sounds yeah. very similar to some other political parties that we know of. Um, and this led, of course, to the brothers' demise. Tiberius was bludgeoned to death in a riot at Capitoline Hill, which left 300 dead. And Gaius committed suicide after he and his comrades were chased and attacked
1: by a mob. Every populace just – they don't have a good end. I I looked through history and the populace tend to not do well. Trump was a populist, by the way, so
0: mm, We know how counts. that turned out. Yeah.
1: Now, this all set a precedent, which was followed by big
0: names like Gaius Marius, cinna Sulla, and later Julius Caesar.
1: My boy. The basic idea is you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube. Not easily, at least. Once you set the president for political violence, you should not be surprised when it grows and is used by everybody, not just your side. It's too late to stop it. The American left set the stage with the Occupy movement. They ramped it up with the Trump protests and took it a step further with BLM and Antifa, not the Bureau of Land Management, if you're confused. (laughs) (laughs) The Capitol riot was not a surprise. This is what happens when people learn that the best way to get what they want is through destroying stuff and disobeying the law.
0: If it works for the left, it can work for us too. That's what the right says.
1: Well, they did get what they want through violence. You know, all these, this cancel culture, they're uh, a culture of violence. I mean, they really, they really did get what they want. So the yeah. right might be saying, oh, maybe this will work for us instead of just constantly losing.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, you got to admit they do constantly lose. I mean, yeah. up until
1: 2016, they constantly they're dignified
0: lost. losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is their downfall in a way.
1: So where do we go from here, Daniel? It's a very good question. Where do we go from here?
0: Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, it's not going to get any better. We're going to see more of this. We saw it in 2020, and we kicked off 2021 with the Capitol riot. And um, as we've seen with the Chauvin trial and all the preparations that were done, you know, preparing for the verdict in, in the city, and, and these people know. People have come to understand that violence is just part of it now, and it's, it's, it's part of politics better for worse and it's so for worse. well yeah it is it is for worse yeah for for the majority of people it is for worse now in a grand scheme will will it lead to a some sort of collapse will it lead to some sort of revolution where there will be yeah. a, the creation of a better brighter future um, that f- thing
1: yeah either collapse or some kind of violent um, response yeah well some some violent um, way of resolving it mm-hmm. but and it's not getting better
0: yeah, it's not getting better, and, and even if there is some sort of violent altercation that it leads to, there's no guarantee that what happens after that will be any better. That that may set the stage for the rise of a Caesar. Or Napoleon. Or Napoleon. Uh, I'll let you have the last word on that, where you think yeah, we'll go.
1: I I think it's pretty uh, reasonable what you said. I would say, however, there's there's kind of the cycle of generations that people talk about, and it looks like we're in the crisis stage of the generational cycle. And that's an 80-year, well, 60 to 80-year cycle. So the boomers are one of those generations where uh, millennials. Anyways, we're in the crisis stage now, and that's set to end at the end of this decade. And then we'll move on to, you know, a resolution where we fight past it. What are the takeaways? Um, Let's see. First point, politicians in the media are hypocrites.
0: Yeah, I think everybody knew that. Uh, Big tech's power... Is vast, so vast, that the government doesn't even have uh, to censor you anymore. They just let more private companies do it, and you know we
1: saw it with Trump. Yeah, political violence is on the rise, and that is bad news for the republic.
0: Trump uh, did not incite the riot, and the riot was not an insurrection, in my opinion. If you want to blame Trump, you have to blame Maxine Waters for BLM and Antifa riots, and you have to blame Bernie
1: Sanders for the baseball shooter. Remember him? Yeah, you probably don't. Well, I think you should just be consistent and blame everybody. But sure. That's my opinion. The left will use any excuse to gain political ground. And the right will always have people like Ben Shapiro who will overcompensate and try to win favor of centrists in order to say they stand on principle. <laughs> there are some lingering questions, though. Um, will Trump run for office in 2024? I think he will. I don't know if he'll be successful in getting a nomination, but... I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of time in between then and now.
0: Hey, I, if he does run, I don't think he'll be successful either.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, if he doesn't get the Republican nomination, he might just run on his own and then just completely hand the election to Democrats. Yeah, yeah,
0: he'll split split the vote on the right. That's uh, for sure. Another question is, will Democrat leaders ever be punished for the same violent rhetoric they accuse Republicans of using? Uh, doubt
1: it. Yeah. Not uh, for now. Yeah. So long. Fox, as Fox tech... will say something then no one else. Exactly.
0: As, as long as the media and the big tech are, are on their side, then they're not going to be punished.
1: Can free speech social media platforms really survive in such an unfair market? And another add-on question is, Are is it legal to be a free speech uh, media platform, or do media platforms have responsibility to to censor certain language on their platforms?
0: That is a good question, uh, a debate that is too large in scope for this yeah, current of moment. of course. But yeah. um, it'll definitely get another episode. And lastly... Is there any hope for America? We talk about big questions.
1: Yes, but not in the current way we have it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, things are going to have to change. Yep. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, So now that we're at the end of the show, how do you think it went?
1: I think it went well. It went a lot longer than I thought it would. That's not a bad thing. I think an hour is the sweet spot. I know you're probably aiming for 30 minutes, but an hour is – eventually you said you want it to be like 20, 30 minutes. But I like them longer. I mean – you know, it's like YouTube videos. I I don't want to watch a two minute video. Yeah. Because it's like just half of my time is going to be on that video. It's just going to be spent trying to find my next video. You know. Yeah. It's just like too too much. It's too much action on my part. Not enough consuming.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you want to if you're on there to be entertained, you want to be entertained. You want to be drawn in by something.
1: And we don't want to give our audience the superficial understanding of the topics either. That's so true. I think an hour is fine. We'll see what happens in future episodes, probably 45 minutes to an hour.
0: Some are going to be short. I can almost guarantee that. Some are going to run long. So I guess that wraps it up. That is all for today's show. Join us again next week for even more ancient wisdom.